Welcome to Unstyled. I'm your host, Christine Barbrick, co-founder and global editor-in-chief of Refinery29. Each week, I invite a notable person to come in and talk with us as we explore the funny, inspiring, sometimes heartbreaking tales of life, work, and love, as told through the things that we wear. A few years ago, Busy Phillips was a working actor, a solid comedian and supporting star who often popped up on screen, but rarely front and center. A lot of us knew her from her roles on such beloved series as Freaks and Geeks, Dawson's Creek, or Cougar Town. But today, many more people know her just for being herself. And we're pretty sure that by this time next month, everyone will know and love her. She makes it pretty hard not to. Busy is in the midst of a spectacular second act. After working on screen for 20 years, building a healthy, if not huge, following, she suddenly emerged in 2017 as the breakout superstar of Instagram stories. It wasn't that her videos and images were so exceptionally curated. It was the opposite. Busy was radically authentic, on a platform where everyone, especially celebrities, show only their prettiest pictures and heavily edited versions of their lives. Busy was, well, normal. She chatted to fans while sitting in her car, waiting to pick up her kids from school. She grammed from the supermarket or from her own bed, usually with no makeup and always with no filter. And somehow, no matter how mundane the topic, she was never boring. On the contrary, as The New Yorker recently put it, Busy had transformed her everyday life into an addictive sitcom, and millions were tuning in. Busy had changed the game for herself by being herself. Her success on Instagram first led to a huge book deal. As you've probably seen on every best of list this month, her memoir, This Will Only Hurt a Little, comes out October 16th. Two weeks later, on October 28th, Busy will launch yet another massive project, her own talk show, Busy Tonight. No doubt, Busy is a full-time, big-time star these days, but she's still there on Instagram every day inviting us into her sweaty morning workouts or talking about getting her moles checked. Whether she knows it or not, Busy is busting the myth of celebrity and shattering those old archetypes. Call her an actor, an influencer, a writer, or a mom. She's all those things and a whole lot more. Busy is, in essence, a whole new breed of icon. Busy Phillips. It is such a pleasure to have you on Unstyled today. Thanks for having me. You have so much going on. It's a lot. We have a lot to talk about. Okay, let's get into it. Can we talk about the book? <laughs> yes. So the book comes out on October 16th. This will only hurt a little. So it was a blind book deal. The publisher at Touchstone, Lauren Spiegel, reached out because she was a big fan of my Instagram and my Instagram stories and me as an actor. She had really loved me on Dawson's Creek. And she just said, I just feel like you have a book in you. I watch your Instagram every day. I just know that you have a book in you. And I had, I've always been a writer. It was something that I had always wanted to do. I had tried to sell a book when I was like in my mid-20s of essays and the book agent that I brought it to was very uninterested in the things I wanted to write about. Like, because I get into some, a lot of sort of deeper things in the book than just like fun, gossipy Hollywood stories, which was, I guess, well, almost 15 years ago when I initially had been writing some of this stuff. That was kind of of the time. That was what 
they were looking for from someone like light. me writing a book. Yeah, yes. something that's just light and fun and and also I'm very glad that I didn't write a book at age 25. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm glad that I had a little bit more I, life experience to put. It feels into like it. it it definitely reads like you've been working on it for a really long time. It's so interesting that this is coming out around the same time as your talk show. I know. Busy tonight. Well, that was very unplanned, but um, Was it? Yeah. Have you had your 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 chart done recently or something? I bet there's something like enormous happening. Some kind of big sort of planetary transit. Yeah. In your chart, because I was also like, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I have to say there's something that kind of just happened with you on on social mm-hmm. probably like two years ago. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it was like around two years ago. And I remember even one of your Insta stories. You probably remember it. Do you remember you and Michelle Williams came home to your house one night and there was like an animal outside? Yes, the raccoons. And you were, yes, uh-huh. and you were documenting the whole thing and I was riveted by it. <laughs> I was literally riveted by it. I watched it like, and, and you know, Michelle wasn't really in it, but you were just like, this is a serious, serious business tonight. We have to really identify like what sort of, what sort of like living thing is yeah. sort of lurking outside of the windows. And I just remember thinking like, she is so masterful at this. <laughs> Because who? Because anybody else would do that. It wouldn't really be that funny. It would just be sort of maybe a little suspenseful. But you made right. it really. I think that there is sort of an artistry to to telling a story in that format. It just comes so naturally to you. Thank you. Well, yeah. No, I think that what you're saying is correct, and that's very kind of you to say about me. But I think that there's obviously mastery in telling any stories. And I think a lot of times people look at social media and they think, well, how do you, you you know, because we've certainly seen examples of people where you're like, oh, that does not resonate. Or like that person does not understand that is not relatable. You know what I mean? And some certain people like you can either write in your own voice or you can't. You either Mm -hmm. like sort of intrinsically understand how to translate that to the page or you or you don't. And I think the same is true with social media. I think it's a very, very similar skill set. Like you either, that's why I think stand-ups are really good at social media, obviously. Some of them. Some of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say some of them. I mean, do you think that that was sort of like the beginning of sort of getting to this point where you're being much more public and revealing so many more dimensions of mm. who you are, not just an actor? Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's a thing that sort of happens to women as they reach my age anyway, like this kind of molting. You're still this, in your 30s. I am, I know. I but, mean, I'm, but I'm just saying like... I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm, I think that when you get into sort of your later 30s, and I had, you know, and I had two kids and I had had this big TV show that ended and I felt like I was just at a career crossroads and then Donald Trump won the election and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to like, I'm molting. Like, I'm just going to let it all go. Any artifice of like what I thought I should be, what people fucking wanted me to be, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. But, you know, and then and then that coincided with the start of Instagram stories. So it was just real time me putting it out there. Here's this platform for you to be able to just like be spontaneous and just like roll with it. Yeah, exactly. And and the truth is, I always have loved telling stories and weird things happen to me. I, You know, like I'm just one of those people. Like I, I have the spirit that collects strange things like <laughs> animals having really rough sex on my balcony. That's right. They were having sex. It the was, raccoons were having and sex. Then they, they and then were, I caught them and they looked at me with shame. Did they really? Yes. 
I don't remember that part. They look up and you just their little eyes and they're just like looking at me. Didn't Michelle leave at some point during the during? She was like, <laughs> she's, she's like, like, I gotta, I gotta go. go. <laughs> I, have to get back to- I remember thinking I that was up. really funny. She was just like, she didn't. It was yeah. very unceremonious. She was just like, see ya. <laughs> I know exactly. It was that was really funny. But you were like, no, I'm committed. I am. Gonna, I am gonna document all of this. And then and then truly, we had a raccoon family that lived in our yard for a while. I mean, not the worst thing. Not the. They were pretty cute. Yeah, I mean, adorable. So back to the book. I think there's just so much material in there that just makes me love you even more. And I'm sure it really makes a lot of other people feel validated, you know, and just talking about, you know, your marriage and Mm -hmm. and also talking about growing up with your sister, which I thought was like, I mean, I have an older sister and I Mm -hmm. really, really related to the stories that you told. And I kind of have less issue with my sisters and more with my parents Mm. for not like managing it better. Right. Like I just felt like it was just like if I couldn't defend myself, Mm. it was my problem Mm -hmm. and nobody else's. Mm -hmm. So I think that (laughs) and my sister and I are close now, but but she feels a lot of guilt about like being in that kind of environment and not protecting me more. My sister had a hard time with this book. And it was actually surprising I'm, to me. Really? Why? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I thought that she would get it because I love her so much and we are so close now um, that I thought she would see the love that I felt like I was writing about it with and yeah. our relationship and how hard our childhood was together. And she just felt like the hurt part of it. And that was really tough for me. I will say this, like I do feel like I'm hard on a lot of people in this book, but I'm also, I do really believe that I'm hardest on myself. And I feel like I own a lot of my own bullshit and I take a lot of responsibility for it. And, you know, the kind of like reckoning thing that you have to do when you put something like this into the world is you have to be okay with the fact that you're not going to get the response you want from everybody that you are thinking that you want like a certain response from and not everyone's gonna like what you have to say but if it's your and I can honestly say I was speaking my truth throughout the entire book so you know Mark my husband keeps reminding me because I do have moments where I'm like why did I do, this is this is too vulnerable. I'm I'm exposing myself, but I'm exposing other people in a way that th- maybe they're not going to be okay with. And he just keeps saying like this is this has value as a whole, and like things can get extrapolated in ways that you're not in control of because of the current world that we live in. But you just have to have the you know you have to be steadfast in that this was what you wanted to put into the world. And it was, it was, it was what I wanted to put in the world. And it was the right time. I feel like you can't really deny when, especially if you are a writer and you're certainly a writer, I think that it's just sort of beyond your control. It's like, if you're really listening to yourself and you're Mm -hmm. really sort of like in your life and Mm -hmm. in your engaged in, in, you know, who you are, I think you have to write it and you have to kind of decide if you want to put it out there. And, you know, I struggle with that a lot, too, because I write a lot about my own life Mm -hmm. and and my own experiences. Oh, I know. I read what you were writing about, like becoming a mother and how like thinking about how you're going to include or not include that. Right. I mean, I wrote for a bit about like what it was like to not be able to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was really just liberating for me because I felt so much shame about it and just also so conflicted because, you know, the company was doing really well and 
And there was a lot of things to be grateful for in my life. My husband's wonderful and, you know, I have incredible friends, but, you know, it was something that just never went away. Mm -hmm. I knew that it was like, I mean, I think there were some people in my life that were like, I think it's time to like move on from this, but I just wouldn't. And that's like difficult. And now it's like sort of, it is a really interesting shift to be, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit publicly, but I was really private about the pregnancy up until like six and a half months Mm -hmm. because I was just so afraid something bad was going to happen. And I was like, literally felt like if if it did, you know, and obviously we have to, you know, be prepared for anything, but I was like, I will be, I will not be able to recover, you know? And, but so now it's been like a transition of like really believing like I am going to be a mother and I am going to have a kid, you know? And I I know it's exciting. (laughs) And you really start to think about it. I don't know if you did when you were having your kids, you were younger, but, you know, I really think about like the kind of parent I want to mm-hmm. be to her and also just like the shit that I had to go through when I was a kid and yeah. and what really feels, what really felt difficult for me and hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have like three of those things mm-hmm. that we carry with us yep. and, and our husbands, if they're great husbands, are always like, you really need to get over that. Right. Right. You really, really need to get over right. that. And it's going to be okay. And that doesn't define you. And I think that those are the kinds of things that I'm just excited about her teaching me. Yeah. It's a really, motherhood is an intense journey for a couple reasons. But one of the reasons is, and it was interesting hearing you talk about your own childhood and how you're with your sister and how you think about your parents' responsibility and all that, because I'd be curious to see, I mean, if you have more than one kid, how you then feel about their interactions and your parents' involvement in your Mm -hmm. life. Because becoming a parent and, you know, my daughter Birdie is so similar to my sister that they have the same sort of temperament and it's just inherent in her. And I always thought it was like my parents had kind of... Mm-hmm. Done, you know, like maybe it was like up to them to yeah. curb some of her stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I see it with my kid and I'm like, oh, no, she just is. This is like an inherent thing that she's got. This is not nurture at all. This is like straight up nature. And it made me feel like she's got the gene. Oh, she's got the gene. Oh, she's got <laughs> it. She's got that gene. Yeah, she does. And it's really interesting. I was younger when I had Birdie. I was I had just turned 29. Yeah, I had just turned 29 when I had Birdie. Did you feel scared? I mean, and not that that's like so young to be having a kid, but like, were yeah, you in, in terms Mar- of were the you rest Mark of the- married yet? Yeah. Okay. So you- in terms of the rest of the country, it's not young at all. No. In terms of like, I feel like Los Angeles, especially, and New York, like I was the youngest mom in Birdie's preschool, like by far. You know, when she went to preschool, I was 31 years old and people were like, oh, you're a baby. Um, did you feel insecure? I did feel insecure. I felt horribly insecure about that. And Who helped you? Michelle helped me. She was a very young mom. She had her, my uh, Michelle Williams, who's um, like one of my best friends for a million years. She had her baby when she was like 20. I feel like she was 24 when she had Matilda. Yeah. That's probably right. So she helped me. And two of my best friends from high school had both had kids. And Michelle had had her baby. So they were really helpful for me because they were all like sort of, we were all the same age, obviously. And they, they had done it before I had. But in LA, Mark's writing partner, Abby, is yeah like nine years older than me and she had a daughter and so she was helpful because she kind of helped me navigate like the LA motherhood thing and then I had a really close friend that I met in prenatal yoga our babies were born a few weeks apart and we became really close like new mom baby friends which is important like to have somebody that's going through the exact same thing with you at the exact same time you know I I had um 
postpartum anxiety with Brody and I was about what what made you anxious well part it's hormonal part of it it's like a postpartum depression but it's like a pretty intense anxiety disorder and everything made made terrified me but you had anxiety before you had the baby yeah (laughs) but it was really compounded and got I'm sort of to be that way spun out of control if you if you do just my only advice, I don't have a ton of advice for people that are going to become parents because there's no, if I could give it, if somebody could give it, they would give it. You can't, you have, you're just going to go through it and it'll be what it is to you and your husband, you know, everyone finds their own way. But with the anxiety thing, if you're really feeling like spinning, you're spinning out, you need to like get control of it. Cause I let it just go for far too long. And I was, it was like pulling over on the side of the road, like unable to drive, like cry. Was Birdie cry. in the car with yes. you? Yes. <laughs> yes. She's like, Oh, she's like this She's lady. probably like, <laughs> I, mean, okay, girl. I mean, I mean, honestly though, when I see relationships like that between mothers and daughters, like there is a bit of a role reversal sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just find it so reassuring in some way. I think as I get older, I've realized that, you know, the mentorship and and sort of like learning from people comes from, it doesn't just come from people that are older and more experienced than you. It comes from everywhere. And I think that the beautiful thing about having kids is that, you know, they make you vulnerable. Mm -hmm. At least I think they do. Oh, I think cracked me open. I'm a, yeah. I've been cracked open by my children. <laughs> Bernie does a funny thing now. She's she's my 10-year-old. And she'll... Um, that must be a fun age. It's wild. I'm obsessed with her. She is so hard, but she is so worth it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why is she hard? Is she just, is she just like um, she's, defiant? She's got a... She's... She's tricky. We, I, you never know what's gonna like set her off. Like she could, she's got a real switch, and if the switch goes off, you're just like take cover and shelter because <laughs> Birdie is gonna. Get is she you. gonna throw things or something, or is she's she just, just like, like can be? She just has like a temper, and she she doesn't. She never lashes out at her little sister. Thank God. Um, not well, that's good. nice. I know she loves her baby sister, but she, you know, like she's told me, she hates me hate you I hate you you're the worst and I'm like okay you me? all right all right here we go yes yes <laughs> bring it I'm so sorry you feel that way I remember having very similar feelings toward my mother when I was little uh-huh. and that's it doesn't make you feel good inside I'm really sorry to hear that you're feeling that way right now my mom and I laugh about this one scene <laughs> when I she made me go to my room and I, I don't know how old I was but for whatever reason, I took the dresser and I was like shaking it like this. I was like really like because I had like such physical yeah, rage yeah. in that moment. And I was like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And she came in and really calmly and she was like, what did you say? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> and I remember just seeing like, I didn't say anything. Yeah. Like to actually say that to my mother would have been like high crime. But what would have been the punishment? Oh, I mean, I mean, this is the 70s. Right, there so was like spanked you. With a wooden spoon. Okay, right. I mean, literally. My husband's mom... Also had a wooden spoon, which, but by the way, we were just talking, we were talking about it not, not too long ago. And she's like, I never used it. Not one time on either boy, but it was the threat of the wooden spoon that like kept them in line. I mean, where did the wooden spoon come from? Who knows? It's, I mean, stirring the soup. I, I guess. know, I know, like, but I'm then, gonna whack you. I know, literally. <laughs> but I mean, you can't. Obviously, you can't threaten your children with physical violence anymore. No. We know better. So, but so a little bit, the problem becomes: what is the punishment that would fit? 
the well, crime. Birdie's not afraid of me. Well, She's not afraid of me. You talk about this in the book too. Yeah. Actually, no, it was in um, a, it was in a parenting article. Oh, okay. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That was really, that article was amazing. You were just so out there and honest and I really got so much out of it I have to thank you for it and it was only like this year it was parenting magazine yeah Yeah, it's parenting magazine but you talked a lot about the fact that you know you and Mark suck at discipline that you're really just like and then you know that you said you use the word fun you know what I did this week so Birdie Birdie is 10 she does have a phone because her cousin got one when she was 10 and then it just became this whole thing so we got her one you have no limits on screen time either we don't Except I will say, I say we don't, except except we do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I say we don't because I'm not, I'm not hard and fast. Like, today, you know, like, you get, I have friends who are definitely, like, you get 30 minutes every other day or you get this, you know, we. It's a lot to keep track it's of. It's a lot. For me, I can't. Yeah. We both work. Our nanny is wonderful. But, like, I cannot ask her to police that kind of thing when I'm not there you know what I mean I don't yeah so when I say we don't have I just mean we don't have any fast and hard rules about screen time and we sort it's like a case-by-case basis with our kids you know when they're watching too much tv because they start turning into little zombies really so yeah yeah so we just we don't allow them to watch so you know we would much rather we suggest other activities Mm -hmm. we do things the girls prefer to do an art activity with me but then it's like when I'm working or roll like I have to like take do some interviews or do calls you bet Spongebob is going on like 100% and Birdie can watch Fuller House or whatever you know that's a show is that the follow up (laughs) yeah I'm looking at Christy you're like uh what is that for people can't see I'm like Fuller House I'm like I'm like she's wrong it's Full House No, they rebooted it and it's Fuller House. But yeah, but with the discipline thing with our girls, it is really tough because, you know, Birdie doesn't really respond well to any. I mean, she's just like, okay, fine, take it away. But she did. We got into a big fight this past weekend or last Saturday. And she she did the I hate you. She was being really, really, really mean to me. And I said, does that hurt your feelings? Yes. And I and, and I have to. I would feel a little wounded by that, too. I really want my kid to to like adore me. And then you have to remember that you're not you're, you're not peers and yeah. like you can't like it's really really hard. It's really hard to not be wounded because you don't want to do that to them either. Like they're, you know. But I was like that's it, girl. You lost your phone. You lost it. And I I went too far cuz you want to give punishments that you can that's part of the thing that you can follow through on. And I went too far at first. I was like forever. You're never getting your phone back until you learn how to behave and not tell your mother that you hate her and I'm the worst person in the world or whatever. And what did she say? She was really upset about losing her phone because she now uses it. She has her best friend. They don't go to school together and another friend that doesn't go to school. So they are allowed to FaceTime each other after school, which is cute. And then she FaceTimes her cousins and FaceTimes her grandparents. Mm -hmm. And so she really likes that connection. And yeah. I get it because I'm a person that loves my phone. I love talking to people on the phone. 
Well, anyway, she lost her phone for almost a week. I gave oh, no. it back to her right before I left yesterday because I thought I didn't want to leave my husband without having that crutch, <laughs> the parenting crutch of her being able to have her phone. So I gave it back to her, but she was, it really did, she, cha- I mean, her behavior changed. Like she was doing really well. That's great. Yeah. Triumph. Triumph. A small one. Unstyled podcast is made possible by Refinery29 and Airy, your body positive go-to for intimates and loungewear. You know exactly what you'd want to wear while binge listening to your favorite podcast. Never retouched and always real, Airy gives you the everyday pieces that make you feel confident, strong, and always the real you in your own style. about relationships because um in also in that parenting article I really really loved that you talked about like how tough it was in the beginning yeah with you and Mark and um I still feel like there is such a stigma around especially in Hollywood talking about like challenges you know the natural sort of very organic challenges that people go through marriage is hard relationships mm-hmm. are hard friendships mm-hmm. are hard too mm-hmm. but I think that because marriage is such a it's such a legal commitment and mm-hmm. it's like you know there's like and I think all, all of us kind of that are married think about those like vows and promises that you made. I remember when I got married, I was like when I, I was really nervous about saying the vows because they're so old fashioned mm-hmm. and they also feel really unrealistic. Right. You know, it's like I have no idea how I'm going to feel in 30 years you right. know, to make this promise just seems like, you know, not so smart. But I felt fine about it. But I do think that it's really important that someone like you you know, or Jennifer Aniston or anybody, you know, is able to talk about just like how hard it is to be in a relationship sometimes and how I think that you referencing that that quote from Blythe Danner about, you know, we were never... We we never fell out of love with each other at at the the same same time. time. And I think that that's completely true. Mm -hmm. Or the other famous quote was like, we just never got divorced. Right. That's why we're still married. Who said that? I don't know, but that's genius. Yeah, we just never got divorced. (laughs) And and I was like, okay, you know, they never got around to it. Yeah. But tell us about a little bit about like what you mentioned in that article, because it was really around having your daughter and then wanting to have Cricket, your second daughter. Yes. It's interesting because there's also the expression you can't teach a new dog, an old dog new tricks, right? An old dog new tricks. But you can't teach a new dog old tricks. You can't, you definitely can't teach a new dog old tricks. But Mark is a really interesting dog, I guess. I should say, no. My husband, Mark, is really an interesting person. Um, it was tough in our in our marriage after we had Birdie. I felt very isolated and alone. And I think he felt like he didn't know where his place was or what he was supposed to be doing. And so he just kind of stepped back and didn't really do much which I think happens a lot. After a baby comes? After a baby comes. I'm really genuinely never surprised when I hear anyone who's got a child under the age of two that's getting divorced. I'm never shocked. I'm always like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's it's the worst time for a marriage. It's almost impossible. First of all, you're navigating this thing that neither one of you knows how to do. Like, 
that's nearly impossible, even though we all do it. Yeah. Um, and there's probably resentment, too, about, like, who's doing more and, well, I and think guilt. It's, I mean, I think the part of the struggle has to do with, like, redefining gender roles and where we are currently societally and what our expectations are as women who are working, who are having children and who've been told that maybe we're able to have it all, but then you get it all and you're like, wait, this fucking sucks. What are you talking about? I can't have it all when I have it all. Like when I'm, when I'm like nailing it with my kid, I've like missed five emails when I'm like really nailing it with work. Like I missed her first steps. Like I can't, I feel terrible and riddled with guilt constantly. And then this guy's like waking up early on Sundays to go watch fucking football. What are you talking about? Like, I can't do this. And I had a really, really hard time. And Mark and I had a few, we've had a few, what I call like, you know, like our come to Jesus moments where I'm like, okay, when Birdie was about six months old, I think I just said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to just peace out. I'd rather be alone and not expect anything than be together and expect something I'm not getting. Well, it's also work. It's also work to have to like be mentally dealing with all mm-hmm. of that too. So, I mean, I definitely think that that would feel like an option. Right. Yeah. And he was like, as hard as it would be. I can, I can figure this out. Like, let me try to figure this out. Okay. So then he, you know, slowly kind of became more involved, but, you know, we just kind of fell into. Yeah, it just our marriage was just like I I felt very alone for a lot in our marriage in the early childhood child rearing years. I don't think that's and unusual. I don't think it is either. I don't think it is, which is why I feel okay talking about it. And Mark, you know, is obviously okay with me talking about it. And then when I wanted to have cricket, he his response was basically like, "Yeah, all right, but you know what? It was so hard with Birdie. So if you want that this, it's all on you. Like hire." At that point, I was on Cougar Town, so I was, like, making plenty of money, you know, like, how to study gig. He was, like, hire whoever you need to help you, like, but don't expect me. Basically, he was, like, I don't want, I don't want any don't expectations. Yes. Like, I'll, I'll take care. Like, he was so funny, too, like, in retrospect, because he's so obsessed with cricket, as we all are. The entire family, like, rallies around her and just, like, <laughs> Why do you think looks that is? Because she's the baby. I think babies are just. Is she six? How old is she? She's five. She's five. Okay. And she's so cute. She is really cute. And I mean, both just... your kids are really, really cute. But she has magical thinking in a way that Birdie never did. Birdie is so sharp and so smart and skeptical and like at literally at age three was saying things like our cat passed away when birdie was three and her nanny told her that the cat was going to cat heaven so not to worry about it and birdie was like i don't think that's real you're just saying it to make me feel better (laughs) and i was like that is very astute yes oh my god she's like betty davis she's like a little but cricket but cricket on the other hand cricket on the other hand is like you know, Pegasus uh, <laughs> sprung from the head of Medusa, but they're basically all just unicorns. And like, you'll just like, you're like, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? And she just, she's like, do you think unicorns are still in some people's zoos? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what? Like, she's just, you know, says things that are complete non sequiturs and so funny and crazy all the time. But anyway, so back to That Mark. sounds very entertaining. She's a constant source of energy. I they just, both are, but. So then, and then, you know, so. So I made that deal. I was like, gladly, I want this. I know this baby needs to come into our lives. I'll make this deal. And then, of course, like the whole thing changed. And Mark 
this baby showed up and everyone was in love with her and Bertie was so cute with her and he really just became started to figure it out and then and then yeah and then over the last two years he's he's also like he's gotten into his own therapy which he had never done in his entire life and it really it taught him all new tricks and he's just like a totally totally different human I think it's important to be patient with people and how they how they adapt to huge changes like that I think for I think for I hate to you know be gender biased but I think it's I think it's hard for guys sometimes you know mm-hmm. and there was a really a show that didn't last but I remember there was a I can't remember what sitcom it was but the the clip that they showed was a couple on a Saturday morning and you know she's carrying a big laundry basket and they've got like two kids running around and he comes in and he's in his running clothes and she's like and she's like what are you doing today and he's like I'm just gonna go out for a run and then go meet so-and-so and he's like what are you doing and she like literally like gets a laundry list of all the things <laughs> that she's gonna do today she says it really deadpan mm-hmm. and and he's just like okay well I'll see you later and he yeah. just like runs out and I remember thinking like that would that would literally like kill me yeah I would literally run him over with my car and that's what <laughs> that's what I felt like and I think it's a really I think it's very relatable I think a lot of people go through that I mean now we have the opposite where we wake up Saturday mornings and I'm like see ya, I'm going to work out <laughs> he's like okay I'll take the girls all right don't I'll, I'll figure it out yeah that's so funny don't even ask let me know when you guys figure out what you're doing for the day I'll come meet you I'll meet you for lunch <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> I'll see you at cocktail hour yeah so I want to talk about the talk show, um, Busy Tonight, and you're doing it with Tina Fey's production mm-hmm. company. Yeah. And she had originally approached you, or her production company mm-hmm. did, and you were just like, no, I don't really want to do this. They didn't approach me about doing a talk show. They had approached me about maybe developing another sort of sitcom thing oh, for okay. me. And she had produced a sitcom pilot that I did for NBC uh, almost two years, a year and a half ago, that didn't get picked up. And... I was really devastated when that didn't get picked up. And I felt like it was the end of the road for me acting wise. It just I've been doing this professionally for 20 years and it doesn't get easier. It doesn't get easier for anyone that I know. It doesn't matter what position you you are in, how many Oscar nominations you have, how valuable people think you are or what a commodity you are in television. It's always an uphill battle and it always breaks my heart. Like when I get the rejection it never doesn't hurt. Like it hurts really bad. And I, I don't know. I just felt like I was at this point in my life where I was making money from my Instagram. I, so money wasn't a pressing issue in my life. And I didn't, I didn't want to subject raising kids is hard enough. Marriage is hard enough. I didn't want to subject myself to any more heartbreak that I didn't need to. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it totally does. So anyway, so when Tina reached out and said, you know, that pilot was so good, we're sad it didn't go, we should think about developing another sitcom for you. I just was like, I, this, you're the greatest human, most talented genius. I don't think I can. Even with you, like even with Tina Fey, just like if you had told me that ten years ago, She's I would a have like punched you in the face. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. But then, but I was like, but let me think about, it. let me think about it. Obviously, like just let me think, let me think. I just don't know what I want to do. And about a few weeks later, like three or four weeks later, the New Yorker article came out about my Instagram stories. I was really meditating on what I wanted to do, and I went to this party in Palm Springs, and I got a little high, and I was like, oh. I'm supposed to be a late night talk show host. That's what I'm supposed to do. I can do that. I'm going to do that. That's what I want to do. You're like, I'm already doing it on my Insta stories. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just do that. 
So I called Tina's company back and they were a little unsure at first because it's not something that's that they've ever done before. And then like two weeks later, called back and well, said... Well, she did host that show on, on Saturday Night Live, so she kind of knows. For sure she has yes. all of that experience. Uh-huh. Yes, which was my point to her. You guys can do this. I know you can. I watched SNL. Yeah, she called me back a couple... They called me back a couple weeks later basically saying we pretty much can sell this this show to E. E wants it. We were just on the phone with them. So then it really happened very quickly. Wow. I know. So it was less than it. I think that Palm Springs was just about a year ago. It's kind of hard to imagine sort of another talk show, you know, coming Mm -hmm. out. And I also think that there's been so many attempts at making talk shows that haven't worked, but I have a feeling yours is going to (laughs) work because I feel like you're right. You're already, you're already kind of doing it. But what do you want to achieve with the talk show? Like, what kinds of people do you want on it? What do you want to be talking about? Why is this? Why is this essential right now? Right now, well, yeah. I need a break. Like, my brain. Like it's about me. It's about me. <laughs> I basically am looking to do a show that brings positivity into the half an hour before you go to sleep. Because I've been having, like, you know, I was spending a lot of time on my Twitter before bed and I was having like crazy nightmares. And then I just started watching reruns of Friends. I don't want to watch the news. But, you know, like I just needed something to like fill my brain that wasn't going to make me upset or sad. And so when I think about my late night show, what I want it to feel like is I want it to feel very comfortable for you to turn it on and you know it'll be funny and it'll be positive and I'll chat with some wonderful people, celebrities, inspirational authors, people that I like and I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. There'll be some like funny taped stuff. Are and you going to do stunts? Stunts like, you know, like Jimmy Fallon and, or Jimmy Kimmel. And, you know, they have like the, the sort of like chemists come on board and they blow things up and things oh, like that. I don't know if we're going to blow anything up. But okay. But maybe. Maybe. Stun, but maybe, maybe. Maybe practical jokes. I just shot something with um Fred Armisen for the first week, a Halloween thing that he and I just did like a little. I mean, I'm already in love. I think it's segment. already going to be hilarious. It's really fun. He was very gracious and really fun to work with for the day. But yeah. And, and then I just I want it to be like just a treat at the end of the day and then we can all take our CBD gummies and go to bed. You know what I mean? (laughs) I love it. And I'm like up every three hours, you know, or every two or actually every two hours. It's preparing you. It is. I know. I'll be watching your show. Oh, great. I know. I can't wait. Is it every night or is it like four nights a week, 10 p.m., which is great for me. And you'll see. I'm I'm so happy. And it launches on the 28th, the 28th of October. But 10 p.m. is like the perfect time for me. Because it's not too late. Is it going to be live? Well, tape to live that day. Okay. So we'll tape it in the afternoon. And then... So you ha- have you started taping? No, no, no. Okay. The 28th okay. is my first show. We've been well, doing I wasn't like sure tests. like how in advance you've been doing it. Okay. Like we taped the pre-taped segment with Fred and we did, the writers did a little pre-taped segment where they went onto the street and they held up my picture and they asked people if they knew me or where they knew me from. And what did they say? I mean, there were some crazy answers. Really? Yeah, What's like, the craziest? Just tell me one. There was like a woman who English was clearly not her first language and she said, oh no, it's she's from that show the show you know the sexy lady jaguars <laughs> i swear <laughs> to god she said sexy lady jaguars <laughs> busy phillips thank you so much for being a guest on unstyled today thank you. i hope you'll come back i will i would love to i hope you're inspired after hearing busy's story For even more unstyled extras, check out Refinery29 or my Instagram at Christine Barbrick. 
You can also join the conversation using the hashtag unstyled across your social media. And of course, we'd be infinitely grateful if you'd please subscribe to the unstyled podcast on Apple podcasts and rate us while you're there. You can head to refinery29.com to find this episode and more, and make sure to sign up for our exclusive Unstyled newsletter, delivered straight to your inbox every week. Our show today was executive produced by Bridget Todd, associate produced by Rebecca Easley, and edited by Priscilla Mena. Copy support was provided by Kelsey Miller. Our theme music today is by the artist Cough. We'll see you back here next Monday for a conversation with Bethany Frankel. See you then.